We're in the Gospel of John, and as Jen read, page 886 in the Pew Bibles, use that red Pew Bible there in front of you, and I think it'll be helped if you keep that open and on your lap as we go through it. We'll look at each verse uh, explaining that, and uh, I think you'll be encouraged uh, as you keep that open. Well, I grew up in an era without cell phones. It was the dark ages. Right, yeah. Uh, so I grew up in an era where every house had a landline, a home phone number. For those of you that don't know what that is, okay, we had a phone number associated with our house. The number could reach anyone in the house. It wasn't just for one person, okay, it was for the entire family. It was a family phone number. Since it could reach anybody in the house, it had to be strategically located, the center of the house. Now, the actual phone had two features, one that it had, one that it was missing that you might find interesting. First, what it had. The phone came equipped with a leash, I mean a cord, (laughs) and uh, that cord tethered you to the center of the house. So roaming was not what you did when you were out of network. (laughs) roaming is what you did when you tried to have a private conversation. Second, what the phone did not have. It did not have caller ID. When the phone rang, you had to answer it because you didn't know who it was that was calling until you said, hello. Without caller ID, you were in the dark about who was calling. Now, nowadays, every phone comes equipped with caller ID, allowing us to be in the light about who's calling and to make a split-second decision. Should I take this call or should I not take this call? Let me just see if I can do an informal survey here real quick on how many of you, when you receive a call like this, would respond. If an unknown number calls you, how many of you would respond? If you received a call from an ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend, how many of you would answer the phone? (laughs) Um, If your boss calls, (laughs) how many of you would respond? Thank you, Wendy. Good to see that. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Front row here. (laughs) If a close relative calls you at 3 a.m., how many of you would respond? Yeah. All right. If uh, Blake Shelton, Elon Musk, Tom Brady, the President of the United States, how many of you would respond? Okay, hello. (laughs) Hello. How we respond to a phone call is directly related to recognize the person calling. And that brings us right to John chapter 1, verses 6 through 13. This passage raises this important question. Would you recognize if God was calling? And if you received a call from God, how would you respond? Accept or decline? The point of our text this morning is that God wants you to recognize Him so that you can receive Him. That's the point. In other words, His revelation is for a relationship. The good news this morning is not only that God is recognizable, the good news is God is relatable. I don't know the circumstances in which you've arrived, 
is so great to have so many guests and friends here. But I don't know where you are regarding knowing God. But I hope this morning that you leave with this sense. God wants you to recognize Him so that you will receive Him. This morning, are you in the dark about God? John doesn't want you to be in the dark anymore. He wants you to recognize this. Jesus is the true light, giving true life because He is the true God. Jesus Christ is the true light, giving you true life because He's the true God. And let's look at all that God does so that you will recognize Jesus as the true light so you can receive His true life. Notice, first of all, God sends a witness for you to recognize Him. In verses 6 through 7, hear God's word. Verses 6 through 7, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to be a witness about the light that all might believe through Him. Before Jesus comes, God sends a guy named John the Baptist to announce Him. Jesus is the point. John's the pointer. Jesus is the I am, and John considers himself the I am not. Look with me at verse 8. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. John really doesn't want to be recognized. His job is to get us ready to recognize God so that we will respond to God. John's role is preparatory. He's prepare the way. Here's the good news. 700 years prior, the prophet Isaiah predicted that there would be one that would come before God himself that would prepare the way. Listen to this phrase, the Lord, okay? Capital L-O-R-D. It's from Isaiah 40, verse 3. Isaiah 40, verse 3 says, A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, Yahweh. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. What Isaiah predicts is that before God comes into the world, there's going to be one that's going to come before who's going to be a voice. Now, parents, there is nothing more annoying than a voice without a message. Amen? (laughs) The good news is, John is a voice calling with a message. Well, what's his message? Get ready. God is coming. That is John's one job. And he did his job so that all might believe. Verse 7. His life was to make God known in a convincing fashion. You say, wow, I am so glad John the Baptist was there for those first century people. But um, what about today? I mean, John was there to help first century people recognize God. What about me? How can I have a relationship with God if there is no revelation from God to me? Good question. God doesn't leave himself without a witness. John the Baptist is not the only witness. In fact, there's another John, the author of this gospel known as John, and he too considers himself a witness. If you want to turn there, you can. John chapter 20, verses 30 through 31, John 
considers that what he is doing in writing you this book for you to read is testifying, witnessing. John 20, 30-31. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by, by believing you may have life in His name. Did you catch it? Here you have in chapter 1 and chapter 20, you have the beginning and the end. You have the front end and the back end. You have two chapters with two Johns bearing witness for the same point. To bring the reader to recognize God so that they can receive the true God for true life. Revelation for a relationship. If you're looking for some light on the subject of God, we are so glad you're here. You're in the right place. We want to help you recognize God so that anyone here can have a relationship with this God. And I just want you to know how we do it. It's very simple. We work through a text in the Bible, verse by verse, hearing the testimony of eyewitnesses. Because we firmly believe that it's not what I say, but it's what they say that matters. If you're here and you would like to know more about who God is and you need more time, we would even be willing to give you a personal one-on-one -on -one guided tour through John so you can ask your questions in privacy, have the time you need to consider so that you can recognize God, so that you can be in a relationship with God. It's not what I say. It's what they say. God can be recognized through His witness. The question is, will you receive it? Will you receive it? You've got to listen to the witness to recognize God, but you also need to look to the true light in order to receive God, right? You need to look to the true light in order to receive the true God. Look with me at verse 9. The true light which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And what does that mean? That true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world? John is not talking about visible light. He is not talking about God as if God is a celestial light bulb. This energy. The metaphor of light when it refers to God does have some layers to it. There's multiple options. Notice first that John is going to help us here and understand what he means by it when he says that this is the true light that's coming into the world. This could simply mean that it's a light that is true and not false. But that's not how John uses the word true in his gospel. John often uses the word true to refer to that which is ultimate Listen to John 6. Jesus is the true bread from heaven. Compared to the manna in the wilderness in Exodus, in Numbers, as you've been reading through your Bibles, this is the ultimate bread. In verse 15, Jesus is the true vine. He's the ultimate vine. So here, when it says Jesus is the true light, it means that Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God. That's what light does, right? Light reveals. 
Jesus reveals God. He is the ultimate revelation of God. He is the standard of what God is like. See Jesus, see God. Hear Jesus, hear God. He reveals what was unseen. Think about it this way. Have you ever walked into a dark room? There are real things in that pitch black dark room, but you can't see them. So what do you do? You turn on the light. It reveals what is actually there. It reveals what it is actually like to navigate that room. In the same way, Jesus is the true light to reveal the true God so that you can have true life. There's huge implications for us this morning. We can only understand our life in light of the true light. Light enlightens. Light helps you see reality. Try to make sense of reality, to try to make sense of your life apart from the true light is a lot like trying to walk around your kids' rooms in pitch black darkness. You're going to find that Lego. (laughs) You're going to stub your toe on stuff. And I would think that all of us can testify that when we don't live according to the true light and we look to ourselves to be our own light, I'm not saying you get it all wrong. But I'm asking, do you get it all right? Have you found that when you try to rely upon yourself as your own true light, that you find that that you stub your toe quite a bit on some major life decisions? His true light is to help you see. True light to see things as they truly are. Ah, now I see. True light for true life. A life that corresponds to reality, a life that is offered to you that is ultimate. My friends, is the light that you are relying on capable of bringing you true life? What are you depending on for your light? I think most of us would say, I operate as I'm my own light. Really? Can you be your own light? Only seeing in that moment what is really there? Wouldn't you be helped if there was a light that was above this world, actually even outside of this world, that could not only give you light for this life, but can your light give you life for eternity? True light for true life. Is the light that you're relying on strong enough not to be snubbed out by death? Would you like it if you didn't have to stub your toe in this world or be in the dark about the world that's to come? You know, it's not that life's so short. It's that eternity's so long. Recognize Jesus as the true light so that you can receive the true life. True life. 
comes from recognizing him as the true light. Notice that God doesn't want to leave you in the dark. It says the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Light doesn't sit still. Light radiates. Light moves, and it moves outward. That is the very nature of God. What is God like this morning? He is like a light, and He is moving outward, and He wants to shine His light outward to you to enlighten you to who He is so that you would recognize Him and then receive Him to be in a relationship with Him. But there's a problem. The world does not recognize the light. Look at verse 10. John says, this true light that was coming in the world, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. What a welcome party. I mean, the one who made the world comes to the world, and the world doesn't recognize him. He, he reveals himself to them for a relationship with him, and they don't know him. I think in verse 10, we are to feel the despair. The despair that the world wants to disregard the light. Especially when you consider who, or should I say what recognizes the true light. You know, in John chapter 2, the water recognizes the true light and responds and becomes wine. In John chapter 5, the lame legs of a man recognize him, receive his voice, and they strengthen, straighten, and stride. In John 6, the fish and the bread recognize his voice and multiply, bringing life to many. How spiritually dark is the world if the wind the water, and even the rocks want to cry out who he is, and yet hard hearts want to ignore who he is. Nothing is more revealing about our spiritual condition than how we respond to the coming of the true light. John 3.19 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the world loved darkness rather than light. Because the world loved darkness rather than light, Jesus does not get a reception. He gets a rejection. Does that describe you this morning? What prevents you from turning from darkness to light? I'm not just asking those that identify as non-Christians here or the worldly. I am asking that question to religious churchgoers. Because the worldly people and the religious people equally turn a blind eye to Jesus. Look at verse 11. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Those that are most likely to embrace him are estranged from him. Revelation for them for a relationship with God, and they want nothing to do with it. So there we have it. Immoral, moral. Irreligious, religious. Both categories of people dismiss Jesus. There is no difference. Think about the implications for us 
in our divided age. The so-called bad people and the so-called good people are all in the same condition in how they recognize and receive Jesus. Do you know what that means? According to the gospel, you cannot divide humanity into two groups. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You and I are in the same place spiritually. Let me put it to you as simply as I can. You can break all the rules or you can keep all the rules and still be estranged from God. I give an application to the church. Application to the church and then an application for those that are interested observers of what it means to be a Christian. First, the church. Do you, church, faith family, have a view of the world that makes you look down on certain kinds of people? Do you have a view of the world that makes you feel superior to those people who do those sins? How will they ever respond to our witness if what they hear is, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. But what they see are Christians acting in a way that makes them feel superior to all those other kinds of people that do those kinds of things. Do you think your looking down on others actually helps them look up to God? I don't think it's missing on the world, because how do they describe us? In disdain, holier than thou. Maybe we would see more repentance in our town if our town saw more repentance in us. Faith family, have you been led away from looking up to God for mercy and instead begun to look down on others to have merit towards God? Thank you, God, that I am not like them. Maybe you've been saved by mercy, but church, it is really easy after you are saved to begin to begin to think that you're kind of self-righteous, you got your act together, and that you would never do those things. You're saved by grace, you're kept by grace, and you walk in grace. Faith family, are you hard on others so you can be easy on yourself? To my friends who are exploring Christianity... I think this is really critical for you to hear when it comes to understanding what is the gospel. When Jesus says that you're a sinner and that he wants you to come to the light, here's what he does not mean. He does not mean that you're bad to the bone and that he wants you to become good. He does not mean that you're dirty and he wants you to clean up your life. He does not mean that you're irreligious and he wants you to add Sunday church to your schedule. He can't mean that because his own good, moral, religious people didn't recognize him or receive him, but they rejected him. So my non-Christian friends, we are so glad you're here, but I don't want you to confuse religious knowledge or pious behavior with a relationship with Jesus because stiff-necked religious people oftentimes give Jesus a stiff arm. 
They didn't receive him. It was another rejection, not a reception. So what is the proper response for all? Churchgoer or non-Christian? The proper response is to recognize him, to receive him. Receiving is another way of saying believing. Look at John 1, 12 through 13. John 1, 12 through 13. But who all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. There you have it. Receiving and believing are interchangeable words. Those who receive him are the very same people who believe in his name. But what does it mean to believe in his name? Well, in the first century, your name represented who you were, right? And so to believe in someone's name is to trust in who that person is and what they've done. This is how you become a Christian. It's almost the exact opposite of what many people think you have to do to become a Christian. Many people think that become a Christian means I see all of his teaching, I believe his teaching, and I'm going to try my very best to live up to his teaching. That is not what it means to become a Christian. To become a Christian means to completely trust, to completely rely on the name of Christ for what he did for you. When you do that, you would say something like this. Lord, Father God, please accept me not on the basis of what I'm going to do, not on the basis of what I can do, and not on the basis of what I've done. But would you accept me because of what Jesus Christ has done for me? And the result of that receiving is that you now have a relationship because you've been regenerated. You become something you were not. Regenerate something new. Not a nip and tuck, but a whole new you. Let's look at John 12 through 13 again. To believe in his name is to become a child of God. Something new, something you weren't, and change into something completely different. Notice again, 12 through 13, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born, something new, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Human beings can be born of God. Just like the physical, so with the spiritual. Being born is not a status achieved, it is something that you receive. Nobody says, I'm going to help my mom out. Either in conception or in delivery, you receive life. It is a gift, right? You don't achieve, you receive. And because the true light has come to you, you can receive the true life of God. You can receive eternal, unending life from the source of life. To be born of God is to be born with the life of God. 
It is a gift that he gives on the basis of faith in his name. And that name is Jesus. True life comes from the true light because Jesus Christ is the true God. You don't have to be left in the darkness any longer about God. Even the world generally and the Jews specifically reject Jesus, you can recognize and receive Jesus for a relationship with Him. Notice the universal opportunity to all this morning. Verse 9, the true light, which gives light to who? Everyone was coming into the world. Verse 12, to all who did receive Him. It's a universal opportunity for you to recognize Him. And it's an unavoidable decision that you have to make in how you respond to Him. The phone is ringing. You check the caller ID. It's him! What are you going to do? It rings again. It's unavoidable. Jesus must be dealt with. You have to deal with Jesus. So if you're here trying to make a decision, I just want to encourage you, don't fool yourself. Don't say, you know, I'm not refusing Jesus, I'm just rejecting the church because the church has hurt me. No, I'm not rejecting Jesus, I'm just dismissing all my parents taught from me and want from me. Don't kid yourself. It is Jesus who has revealed himself for a relationship with you. How will you respond to Jesus? Will you accept or decline? Reject or receive? Phone rings again. Up until now, you've been thinking, who is Jesus to me that I should answer his call? But I pray that after you've heard this message, that's the wrong question. The fundamental question you should be asking is, who am I that Jesus should call me? Who am I that I could receive your compassion instead of your contempt? Who am I that I have the opportunity while there is time to recognize and receive you For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. A revelation for a relationship. Every person must decide. Would you turn away from trying to be your own light for these few short years and recognize Jesus Christ as the true light? who can give you true life because he is the true God. Now, this morning, if you've already received Jesus Christ because you've recognized him for who he is, I think an application for you churchgoers, faith family, is have you been baptized? Baptism is declaring that you have been born of God. We celebrate births. 
That's what we do. And as with the physical, so with the spiritual. The physical celebration is actually pictured after the spiritual celebration. If you have not been baptized, but you have been born of God, we would like to celebrate your birth with you and declare to the world that God is not only recognizable, but he is relatable. Would you join the collective witness on Easter as a baptized Christian declaring, I have received true life, eternal life, which comes from the true light, Jesus Christ, because that true light is the true God. If you'd like to be baptized, come speak to one of the pastors. Talk to the person who brought you. They can point you in the right direction. If you want to become a Christian, talk to the person who brought you. Talk to me afterwards. Let's pause for a moment of silence as you consider what God would be leading you to do. And we will close with this great song, Oh, Come to the Altar. The phone is ringing. Come to the altar. <laughs>